Any word? She ghosted him. I bet she hasn't even seen your text. She does travel a lot for work. Go to her. I'm going to London. Get it. It's a grand romantic gesture. Yeah, that is amazing, mate. 5,000 miles to surprise a girl that you've only met once, especially if she's the one who ghosted you. No, no, she didn't ghost me. She just doesn't have an international calling plan. Oh, oh right. Bad news, bro. <laughs> Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, I'm Brian Brushwood. But more importantly, uh, what was that, Bryce? So that was a trailer for Apple TV's upcoming action film, Ghosted. Uh, it didn't seem action. like an action film, did it? Well, I mean, I, I think being ghosted is the literal definition of the opposite of getting some action. <laughs> that's right. So, so that's uh, Chris Evans and Anna de Armas. He, uh, uh, they, they hook up and... Uh, he tries to meet up with her after after their date, and he goes to England to go see. Well, where well, I bet it's her international calling plan. It turns out she's a spy for the CIA, uh, and then it turns into one of those movies. But uh, that's coming to Apple TV April twenty first. Big couple of big names. Bold move. Uh, who wants to wait till April twenty first for something great to come? Let's mm. welcome Fraser Kane to the show oh, right now. Hey, I'm back. Universe today. Hey. Fraser, has anything interesting been happening in the universe today? Today? <laughs> yeah, it's been a, like, James Webb Space Telescope has just been this gift that it keeps on giving. Uh, but we waited 20 years for this thing to launch and about $10 billion. So well, now I, I, it's delivering. I, I know we got to talk about TV at some point, but real quick, um, uh, 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 am I right in hearing that, like a bunch of micrometeorites are, are pecking the, the, the bejesus out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's been hit now, I think about 10 times, and this was expected, but one of them was much more significant than anyone mm -hmm. was expecting, and it was... it took such a big ding out of the mirror that it hit. They've actually changed the way the James Webb Space Telescope operates. So before, they would look in any direction they wanted. Sometimes they'd look up orbit. Other times they'd look down orbit. And based on that impact, they're now trying to organize all of their observations so that they're always looking away from the direction that Webb is orbiting around the sun. And so if you look mm. up orbit, then you get the addition of Webb's velocity around the sun, which is about 30 kilometers an hour, sorry, 30 kilometers a second, added to the velocity of the objects. And if you turn the other way, then you get to subtract that 30 kilometers an hour from the velocity of the object. And so they'll do less damage. So it was a powerful life lesson. Yeah, yeah. Always, always be careful where you point your telescope. Yeah. But yeah. it is, quit, I mean, quit, it is quit looking at those meteors that are hitting you in the eyes. Yeah, 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 look the other way. But but it's within the parameters of, of what they were expecting, except for that one. That was surprisingly big. They just had a, but, a random one, yeah. Yeah, but the the lifetime has been extended and extended. So the, the launch from the European Space Agency's kick stage was so precise that instead of the 10 years they were planning, it looks like they're going to get 20 to 25 years of life out of JWST so that's amazing. I just realized, um, Tom, that I was in the middle of thinking like, oh, no, I opened up this thread of discussion. But then I realized JWST is the 
literal definition of watching what you want when you want, you want whenever you want well except now you can't go up orbit anymore well i mean <laughs> so you, just, you just in general wait. stop just looking wait. at just the, the meteorites yeah. in your, your eyes yeah 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 just wait six months all right well uh let's get to uh some stuff that's happening down here on earth but also about space with the primary target All right, so you may have heard the news. Star Trek Discovery's fifth season has been pushed off to 2024. We're not going to get Discovery this year. Uh, Paramount also announced it will be its final season. That will mean it will have lasted seven years, uh, just like TNG, DS9, and, and Voyager, uh, but only five seasons because there were a couple of years, including this one, where they didn't air a season. Uh, but five seasons is still one more than Enterprise. It also pioneered Star Trek as the flagship property for streaming, premiering on the fledgling CBS All Access, which is now called Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds generally get better reviews. Picard is sort of in a nostalgia category of its own, as is Prodigy, uh, which is animated and aimed mostly towards kids. But Discovery leaving will be a turning point in Star Trek. You could, you could sort of group it into eras if you want. There's the original series era. There's the original movies era. Then there's the indie network era. That's TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise. Maybe the Abrams movie era in between there. And then the streaming era, which started with Star Trek Discovery and all the rest that followed. Now, Paramount has a Discovery spinoff in the works called Section 31 uh, that is supposed to star Michelle Yeoh. That has been in the works since 2019 haven't heard a lot about it. Uh, there's still hints out there that maybe they were developing a Starfleet Academy series. Maybe that one's still underway. Uh, that's bolstered by the fact that Lieutenant Tilly's character left Discovery in season four to go teach. But Discovery was the main show. It was the heir of the original series in The Next Generation. So, Brian, let's talk about where we would like to see Star Trek as a franchise go next. Uh, you know what? Um, Star Trek strikes me personally as as in a similar spot as the mcu where the mcu has started with boots on the ground concrete and fisticuffs you know captain america iron man you know whatever and and built up so far that it's in this rubbery world and we've talked about this in spoiler in time where anything's possible and i feel like star trek is has kind of ascended to similar territory me as a fan, somebody who a lifelong fan, I would really love to see a a, a grittier boots on the ground version of, of of the Enterprise era of the early days of of space travel. But that's that's just me, and I'm just wishing on a cloud or just nothing but a lower decks uh, cinematic universe. That's all I want. <laughs> yeah, I, Fraser. What I, about you? I well, I really like Discovery. And, and it's, it's funny, like when you watch discovery and like, I know a people, like a lot of people whine about its wokeness. And in fact, when you, I was remarking to my wife, we were watching the show and I'm like, you know, there isn't a single character on this show who is a straight white male who isn't an alien, like not a one. And, and that feels revolutionary, like watching that is I, I'm sure it's equivalent to people watching the original Star Trek back in the 60s and all of the, you know, uh, black communications officer, female communications officer, a Russian uh, uh, helmsman, et cetera. And, 
And I think that was, I think it's important. And I, and it's been hit or miss for me, but the, the, I found the last season great. We were even, you know, we remark on it when discovery is great. My wife and I am like, this is a really good season. So I've been really enjoying it. And it's, it's, I think it's important. I think it's too bad that they're bringing it to a close. I mean, what you're looking for, Brian, with Strange New Worlds, they nailed it. Like it's such that's a what good I show. Hear. I, I, yeah. I hear it, it is it, what I want, and I it should is go exactly back there. what you yeah. want. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it is what the people want, but I don't think it's being as brave in te telling stories and doing what Gene Roddenberry always kind of wanted, which was to say what is the best what, what will we become in the future what are the issues that we're dealing with today what do those look like if they get resolved in the future and we can face bigger problems like well I, I, aliens if, if, if i could push back on that a little bit i i think what made uh star trek the original series so wonderful is that it took some fairly obvious borders and pushed them and then mm -hmm. uh, if that's your goal is to keep on pushing borders of social commentary and so on like now we're at the point where we're we're at the edge of the the Mandelbrot fractal where it's like let's we're almost inventing new barriers to push at this point so it's like part of me wants to see some excuse to to pull back and get back to you know sim simple barriers strange new worlds yeah that's what i hear it's, that's strange what i hear it's yeah. like and, it's and, just and like that, somebody yep. punching you in the head with no grace and discovery <laughs> somebody is... punching you in the head with no grace that's so good yeah you want yeah. gritty just, just you bludgeoning go. you with star trek nostalgia but i think star trek isn't about this shouldn't be about nostalgia as you, exactly what you said right that mandelbrot it should be about continuing to make you feel a little uncomfortable about what the future is well and, and, and now now we encounter the uncomfortable world of like uh shareholders and and property ip owners and all that stuff and it's like at some point it's like well you should do something else and it's like but if you do something else are we going to get upset that it's not star trek um like I'm, I'm hungry for the energy of star trek but i'm not necessarily married to the words star trek I, I think uh, one of the issues with Discovery is it was all over the place. Um, it, it started as one concept, then adjusted to a second concept, then jumped far into the future, into a third concept. And so it had some pretty strong characters and along the way, some great stories, in my opinion, but it was inconsistent. It, it never had its reason uh, for being stay the same the way, you know, Voyager wanted to get home. Deep Space Nine was trying to guard the, the frontier. Uh, Next Generation was was doing what the Enterprise had done in the original series, uh, going boldly where no one had gone before and exploration. Um, so you're getting the going boldly in Strange New Worlds. Uh, you're getting some fun new perspectives in Lower Decks. But I want the next voyager ds9 i want the next like all right put star trek's universe somewhere they haven't been before put them somewhere unexpected let them face new challenges my idea had always been throw them far into the future they tried that with discovery so i don't know if you can get away with that one again uh and and that's where i start to run up run short uh to be like well i i don't know what that idea ends up being I thought that idea was great, them going that far into the future, because it it made them, you know, unfamiliar with with everything around them and how this all how all this technology works. But the problem is, if you're going to try and inject 
thousand year future technology into every aspect of human society, there's some, you know, some issues that you're going to have to work through in your mind. I well, so, and, and, if another and way they can go is is send it to another galaxy. Just don't even don't you know do do the original series exploration thing by by removing it entirely from the Star Trek history. Somebody gets flung somewhere else, and they've just got to stay there and make their way. There's no coming back home. But this is the Star Wars problem too, right? Like they're just like yeah. they're just and, treading and, the and MCU retreading. Problem, right? Where where yeah. where you know what we love are those archetypes, those hardcore ar- archetypes that were well represented before, but now all of a sudden we're we're just so far out there. Um, I could see a version where all of the archetypes from each of these phases, Tom, um, mm. whether or not they're the actual characters or not end up in a different galaxy and their goal is in a Voyager like way to get back home. But, but here's a nutty idea. Take all that talent, that energy, that storytelling, and maybe don't use the word star Trek, but of course that's the one thing nobody wants to hear. Yes. Well, but then it's not Star Trek. So I'm not sure if I know what you mean. That's fine. I, I'm, have you guys So so you're just saying you don't want more Star Trek. You want original things, which is perfectly valid. I, 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 I don't know. What I'm saying is I don't know how to solve the problem that they have. And the problem Mm -hmm, that they have mm -hmm. is that they boldly went past tense. And now I don't know where else there is to go. Go italic. Italic. I, I think. Like they were already I'm reading, italic, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm reading uh, Revelation, the Revelation Space series by Alistair Reynolds right now, and it's just one of the most mind blowing reads that I've ever been through. And I can't even imagine what it would be like to turn that into a television show or a series of movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I probably make this point every single time that there is this ocean of amazing science fiction that's been created out there where the story the hard work has been done the story has been figured out and now it just needs someone with some budget to come along and and do a good job of telling the story like they so, have with so the expanse or the, the queen's gambit or you know whatever there's you you just caused me to have what i think is a pretty clever idea which nobody will ever do uh which is um uh have something that is a five-year plan that you know eventually the story is going to puncture into the Star Trek universe, but you start it as a totally independent uh, IP mm, and you yeah. develop it, and then there's some wormhole, whatever, something, yeah, and then yeah. and then it becomes part of the canon. But of course, well, kind of love no, that. No board of directors wants to hear that. No shareholders want want to hear it's that. Too risky, yeah. yeah. No, they want to feed us. I, member I love bears. the idea of of we start with the aliens. And then oh. they come into the Star Trek universe. And we, we don't realize they're the aliens at first, right? You know what? Okay, so I wonder if, here's a little nerd talk. Like, if we were watching the Vulcans, I bet the humans would look the way we look at Ferengi. And I bet the Ferengi would look like straight up, you know, Gollum or something, you know, (laughs) and, and, and maybe that's something you could do is represent, you know, not say, not even admit that it's a different race than humans. Just say, Hey, uh, we're representing the story. It it, it reminds me a little bit of something that, uh, uh, they did in the book Anathem, but but now we're in the weeds. Never mind. You want to, 
use a story and try to take advantage of the brand awareness of that story, but without taking advantage of the brand awareness, that's it's like, what's the point? I, like, I just tell it, just tell a new story. We don't have to pay any money. Well, the, the, just, the pitch is, is it's do a new story. You, you pitch it to Paramount, you do a new story and you say, if we make it five years, this is where suddenly your promotional opportunities explode because everyone's going to talk about it and it's going to be huge uh, IP crossover territory, but you got to keep the secret until then. So the original pitch has to be good enough to be accepted on its own. And then there's like this bomb waiting to go off. That's the, that's the only way I can think of to sell it. Uh, don't panic. VU in the chat has a great idea about the Borg prequel idea. Like, obviously, there were well-intentioned uh, beings that led uh -huh. to that disaster of the Borg. Like, yeah, dude, give me those stories. That sounds awesome. Well, I mean, the Orville's kind of flirting this is the book I'm reading. In, yeah, yeah. In in, in Revelation space, in Revelation space. The, the, one of the main characters is essentially a Borg. But, and they're still part of the collective and they're, you know, they're on one side of the war and other people on the other yeah. side of the war. Hey, you know what? And uh, well, he's guess the good what? guy. You're, 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 you're hosting the show with two Borg. We're humans, <laughs> but who are enhanced with lenses that cause our vision to be corrected. We are the perfect fusion <laughs> right. between uh, oh. technology and humanity. Yeah. I should probably go for my implants soon too, actually. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, resistance is futile. That's you right. become a patron. Which is why you shouldn't stop yourself from going to patreon.com slash cord killers. That's where you'll get your own RSS feed. That's where you'll get early access to all of our best parts. That's where you'll get exclusive access to our after talk segments. And that's where uh, we whisper true secrets to you. Indeed, indeed. Only uh, the collective can hear them, though. So by all means, uh, go uh, become one of them. It's like we said, futile to resist. So just do it. Just stop making excuses. Patreon.com slash Assimilate. That's our pitch. Assimilate. Yeah. <laughs> Assimilate. Yeah, you, you're kind of crossing. You, you know what? Doctor Who fans are also welcome. We can write it into it. Yeah, yeah right. absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about how to watch. European regulators are considering rules that would require streaming businesses to pay money toward the building of internet infrastructure. Yeah, let me say that again. European regulators are considering rules that would require streaming businesses, you know, like Netflix, to pay money toward the building of internet infrastructure, the thing built by other companies like telecoms. Newly minted Netflix co-CEO Greg Peters told the Mobile World Congress last week that requiring entertainment companies to subsidize ISPs would have a significant adverse effect on their ability to invest in content and hurt local creative communities. ISPs, on the other hand, said that increased usage of video services like Netflix are putting pressure on them to pay for network upgrades, Brian. Oh my God, so much coded talk here. Like, like what they're saying is uh, uh, Europe be all like, regulators be regulating, uh, please build us a thing. And then they turn to Netflix and Netflix is like, we sort of built our business on 
you know, this thing being free. So I don't see why you're asking not even us free. to build a no, thing. No, no, no. It's not, it's not even free. Netflix has to pay money to access the internet one way or another, either building their own infrastructure, doing peering agreements. Netflix isn't getting a free ride, but that's what the ISPs would like you to think. However, what the ISPs would like is for Netflix to be forced to contribute money to the government that would then redistribute it to the ISP to increase their bandwidth, rather than the ISPs having to make the money themselves. Right, but significant adverse effect is code for, if you make us do this, goodbye. <laughs> How oh, about yeah. that? No. How uh, do you like that? Netflix is saying, you want us to keep funding things in France? That's not going to happen if you make us pay ISPs mm -hmm. money. We're going to deduct that from that budget. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Fraser, uh, uh, you're a socialist. Uh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Canadian. And yet you, know, you repeat the closest thing to a European we have on the panel today. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, this, I don't know, this just feels just normal. Like, it just feels like the, the telcos complain, have been complaining about having to oh, yeah. handle all of this traffic since they arrived on the scene and you know with good reason but like we pay them money to deliver content traffic to us like that's their job like my isp's job is to deliver me whatever i choose to download video games television shows on netflix youtube videos and so i are they going to go and ask you know, steam for money when I want to download. If it gets popular enough. Yes. Gigabyte. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. I, you know, I, I Red mean, Dead Redemption that, 2. That's that's one of the things that we're actually dealing with is like ISPs like it when they're first and become the winners. They don't like it when it's expensive to be the winner. Right. And likewise, uh, everybody who plays on in the ISP space, whether you're a video game, a, a movie, a television, whatever, um, uh, they like to become the winners, but they don't like it when it's like, well, you're kind of number one and we kind of need you to kick in over here. Um, I, I don't know ISPs what the right answer also is. Always horribly afraid of being dumb pipes. Uh, because the margins are low and the potential for growth is low. You know, the idea being that once you've saturated the market uh, with fiber, say, then you can't charge people extra for stuff, right? There's an amount they'll pay for their internet connection and that's that. So this is always what happens when telcos feel like they're up against that wall. They start sniffing around for other ways to extract money. Uh, and sometimes that means getting the government on your side. Comcast tried the same thing about 10 years ago in the United States with Netflix, the exact situation where they were they were saying, hey, uh, you're sending all this video into our networks and it's flooding our networks and we can't handle it. You need to pay us uh, to to reach our customers. In that case, it was less about getting the government all on their side, although they did make noises about that. Uh, but they were talking about canceling peering arrangements and violating social norms. Whereas this, it's more about going straight to the, the European government and saying, you you need to help us. Uh, because if you use the word infrastructure, that that goes down better in government circles. Yeah, no, I, I, mean, I, I think that's a phenomenally bad idea, because if I'm Netflix in that situation, my answer is, oh, is the problem that we have too much high quality 4K streams? Congrats. We've solved it. 720p is the highest number. I mean, what makes life best for us as consumers, I think, is is a good question you should ask, because, you know, if if 
politicians, internet service providers, and streaming providers are all having an argument. I don't, how do I pick sides? <laughs> Yeah, well, what's in groups. it for us? That's a very which, which good one do I want to back? Who's because because what you know, want is the, is the government to make it easy for ISPs to provide service to you, but ISPs don't want that either because then they will get competitors, uh, and that's not part of this conversation. So I yeah, I'm not sure there's a side that that wins for us uh, other than not to play. Well. well it, there are some echoes of like 10 years ago when we were all worried about like, well, it's not like there are more than one ways to get internet. And now in 2023, it's like a, it's a viable option to use your cell phone provider for your primary internet service or star, you know, satellites in the sky or, or, uh, or fiber or, or, or <laughs> DSL. Remember that. Oh yeah. But, but my, 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 my point is um, uh, I, I, there's the looming threat of kind of a universal way to access all of this stuff. And as a result, like when you say provide infrastructure, uh, if I were working at Netflix and I were charged with the question, how would we provide infrastructure? I would shrug and say, in five years, it's all going to be wireless. It's all going to be satellites. Yeah. I don't understand the question. It's all going to be OneWeb and Starlink and whoever else comes along. Uh, right. Because there's multiples in the space. Yeah. So, so in, in that regard, it makes sense tactically for Netflix to push back pretty hard against this. Oh, it, it absolutely makes sense. I, I totally understand yeah, what the ISPs course. are doing. I might do it if I were them. I totally understand why Netflix doesn't want to pay. I would do it if I were them too, yeah. And I totally understand politicians wanting to get more votes and whichever way is going to get oh, the most money the going towards them. Oh, we can do. Not vote for them. Or <laughs> just not vote. <laughs> Sure, I'm not going to vote too. for any French politicians this season. <laughs> I know. Yeah, this uh, European corn killers no. listeners. Tell <laughs> Take us it from which three. MEPs these three North Americans. <laughs> these four North <laughs> Americans don't vote for in the France elections. Yeah. Not this season. Yeah. Do it next season <laughs> when the regulations yeah. Yeah. change. Wait another twelve Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk about what to watch and under surveillance. Ayaz Akhtar is back to keep us updated with what's coming to the streaming services this month. Take it away, Ayaz. What's up, Cord Killers? Ayaz here. Let's take a look at what's new to streaming in March. You probably don't know it because there's little to no advertising about this, but a little show called The Mandalorian is back on Disney Plus with new episodes every Wednesday. Netflix has a new comedy special by Chris Rock. You may have heard a little bit about it. It's called Chris Rock Selective Outrage, and it's out right now. Everybody's favorite stalker is back again. You, season four, part two, starts streaming on Netflix on March 9th. March 12th is the day we get the season finale of The Last of Us. You can stream that on HBO Max. On the 17th of March, catch Bono and the Edge, a sort of homecoming with David Letterman on Disney+. I don't understand how you two, David Letterman, and Disney all make sense together, but it's happening. Love is Blind, season four starts streaming on Netflix on the 24th. New episodes arrive weekly. March 24th is also the day you can watch Reggie on Prime Video. This is a documentary about Mr. October himself, Reggie Jackson. HBO Max has the season four premiere of Succession on the 26th. This will be the series final season, so enjoy it while you can. And saving the last for last, the movie that changed all of our lives has a sequel coming. 
That's right, Murder Mystery 2, starring Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler, hits Netflix on the 31st. Want to know more? Watch this show, Court Killers. Thank you, Ayaz. Saving the last for last. Uh, as he mentioned, Saturday evening, Netflix streamed Chris Rock's comedy special live from Baltimore. It was the first time that Rock had talked about Will Smith slapping him on stage at the Oscars last year. The show also included a pre-show and post-show analyzing Chris Rock's performance. Uh, did you watch, and if you didn't, did you hear people talking about it, Brian? Oh, my God. I totally watched it. Uh, I, I tuned in maybe 20 minutes before the show and I, I, I was figuring, like, okay, look, this is where everybody chimes in, gives support to Chris Rock. This is pretty much the Super Bowl of comedy specials, uh, first time live transmitted all around the world on Netflix or whatever. Um, and I'm like, oh, my, Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, my, uh, Sarah Silverman. Oh, my, oh, my. And, and at some point, I just hit fatigue of all of the support that was shown going into it. Uh, I, I did love... The fact that uh, uh, Dana Carvey and David Spade uh, very slightly put in, like, anyway, we have a podcast. It's called Fly on a Wall. That's not a promo. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, I I was fascinated by the pre and post show parts of the whole thing. Uh, did you watch it live, either of you guys? I didn't watch it at all. So did you hear people talking about it? Uh, I did not. I, I heard myself talk about about it I was going to say I we we watched it uh I was I was surprised a little bit that Eileen uh my wife brought brought it brought it up to me before I brought it up to her so I'm like oh okay so it's you know it's on her mind it's it's not just because I cover cord killers that I'm I'm knowing about this uh watched it uh, thought it was good. I like Chris Rock anyway. Um, he, I like that he messed up the joke, the main joke, and said, ah, screwed up that joke, and then retold it. Uh, it was it was definitely live. Uh, thought the pre and the post show were were interesting. Like you said, it was it was interesting to see the number of people willing to say, yes, I will support Chris Rock in this venture. Uh, some of them are better than others. Bill Maher felt like he was being forced to read his uh, for, for some weird reason. But what struck me was how little anyone else seemed to be mentioning it. It did not seem to make the waves that I think Netflix would have liked it to make. That's interesting because I don't think until you said those words right now, I had really thought about that. But I think you're right. Like, uh, it, it, it was a fairly minor story on my front page of headlines. Uh, uh, Bryce, did, did you happen to watch this live? I, uh, I... I just so happened to log into Netflix like right before it started. So I caught a few minutes of a pre-show act that I didn't really like. And then I, I, when I went back to watch live, I jumped back to the beginning of it. Cause you can, cause it's a on demand. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't make it more than a few minutes. I was waiting for him to tell some jokes, but he just kept saying, Oh, cancel culture. Uh, and then I, I turned off. So. That's interesting because um, I I thought he give he he gave a uh, and, and this is something I'm gonna have to process a little bit more mm. um, uh, on the on on the spectrum of of volatility uh, and talent you, uh, I, let's let's put uh, Dave Chappelle all the way out on the fringes where it's like he'll go way out there and and it's like well I in terms think of I get it you know but whereas whereas Chris Rock is much more playing the everyman and and. He, he relied on some tried and true relatable stuff. Um, hmm. uh, the, uh, 
it was it was fascinating watching it live. Um, I I did notice my my dumb production brain kicked in, and I noticed how often he was very deliberately looking at various places off screen, and uh, uh, how very carefully placed the teleprompters were to to remind him of you know where he was at in, mm -hmm. in the script and stuff. But but in terms of as a matter of fact, one of my favorite moments was in the after show. JB Smoove is talking. And uh, uh, there begins to become some static. And I'm looking at a little dimple on his chest, and I realize he's got a microphone on. And then I look and at I said, his somebody lapel. give him a stick mic. And like <laughs> right? So, so you, you and I later, had the same thing. Yeah. So, so it's like, he, he had two mics mic. on him, and it was going out. And I was like, and I leaned over to Bonnie, and I, was, and I, I said, get ready for the room mic. And then at that moment, a stick mic showed up, and it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so Fraser, are, are you at all interested in, in going and watching this? Cause it is now available on demand. You can re-experience the whole thing. No, I, I'm just not that into stand-up comedy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, and my wife is, is just not that into stand-up comedy either. And so between the two of us, we, neither of one is going, neither of us is going to inflict this upon the other. And so, no, we just don't watch, we don't watch any stand-up comedy at all they're, they're not gonna get you to watch this right no matter no. because it's a stand-up comedy no. thing that's fair i also yeah. uh note that chris rock is my age <laughs> which means he's only a couple of years older than brian uh which means yeah no he, I, he he definitely addressed issues that you know hit that 45 to 50 yeah. demographics Gen X, Gen maybe, X loved as, this as, as a matter yeah. of fact he maybe said the words 45 to 50 a lot <laughs> in terms of his relationships and everything. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, uh, he was speaking specifically to that age group several times and, and not caring if people, uh, younger were going to be upset, uh, by what he said, or even not even upset, but, but like Bryce, like, eh, cancel culture. I'm not interested. See you later. Like I, it, it felt like it was demographically targeted. Yeah. Uh, also, I mean, everybody was tuning in for one thing, and that was the last ten minutes of that the episode. That was the thing at the end about Will Smith, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, and and he uh, was that good. Was there anything new in there? Uh, well, unfortunately, because he had been working out the material for the past year, uh, you you could look online and figure out what material he was working on, and those jokes showed up, and they they landed fine. Um, but basically, uh, in terms of if if you're one who wants to munch popcorn and look at a, a battle of, of superstars, uh, he did an incredible thing insofar as in the middle of the world's first Netflix global comedy special, I think successfully positioned himself as the lower status person in, in describing that whole thing, which is a hard thing poor. to do. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania screenwriter Jeff Loveness was surprised by the raking over the coal that critics gave his film, uh, at least the film he helped write. Uh, he told the Daily Beast, I was in a pretty low spot. Those were not good reviews. And I was like, what the heck? I'm really proud of what I wrote for Jonathan and Michelle. I thought that was good stuff. And so I was just despondent and I was really sad about it. He then made the questionable choice, in my opinion, of attending a public screening, but it worked. 
He listened as people in the audience laughed along at many of the jokes he had added to the script. And he said, I'm like, God damn, the reviews are wrong. I'm pretty happy with it overall. And I think I learned how to take a punch this week. And now that I learned that it's not too bad, I can just get on with making things. Loveness previously won an Emmy for the Rick and Morty episode, Vat of Acid episode. Uh, so it's not like this was his first go round. Uh, but I, I thought there was an interesting interview that, that he gave where he's like, oh, maybe I just shouldn't read the reviews. Uh, uh, Fraser, <laughs> I, I, I perceive this as not an indictment of the writing of the, the show. I, I still haven't seen it, but mm. but but more of the kind of nexus that the MCU finds it at itself at where it's trying to define a new era, but but it's not entirely clear what that is. Well, once again, as always, it comes back to just tell good stories. And I think like they're trying to top the Avengers. But when you really like think about what is the Avengers, right? It was just a ragtag collection of superheroes in the Marvel Universe. It was the the good storytelling that brought it together and raised their their awareness and everyone really liked them as characters like Hawkeye. Really? Like that's, you know, tier one content. We're, I mean, it's, we're, we're, it's we're back Spider-Man. to the, uh, the Mandelbrot fractal, right? We're, yeah. we're back at the edges. The same thing we were talking about with star Trek. So you can pick up any character in the lineup. You can tell, uh, you know, either dig into the comic books to find great stories that were told and tell those stories on the screen. And much of the heavy lifting has already been done for you at this point. Um, I haven't watched the movie either. I'm a I'm a patient MCUer at this point, so I'm, I'm on Disney Plus. I just wait till they're on Disney Plus, and then I watch them. So I I just watched the new Black Panther movie. That's that's how I roll. Um, and I uh, yeah, I, you know what? I'm not going to say anything else that that twelve year old Fraser will somehow just hate me <laughs> I, into the future. I, I also, for. I feel for Jeff Loveness. A shout out to Jeff Loveness. You know, you work hard. People laughed at your film. Yeah. You should feel good about it. Don't, don't, don't read don't the worry. comments. Yeah. Have we yeah. all learned this? Uh, Apple released a teaser for Silo, a series based on the Silo series by Hugh Howey, uh, which started with the book Wool. You may know the, the name Wool more than you might know Silo series. Uh, it is about the last 10,000 people on Earth living underground. They've lived underground so long, they're not sure why they're there in the first place, but it's clear that if they go outside, they will die. Uh, or is it? Silo arrives on Apple TV Plus May 5th. So uh, in in my experience, Tom, I think we talked about this last week, uh, Apple TV Plus tends to have like one home run per year. Uh, do you feel like this is it, question mark? It's got a shot. It's got a shot. This, this is akin to me, uh, the last of us becoming a TV show. The Silo series is fantastic. I love it. Mm. Uh, and so I am... Nervous, as nervous as you were about The Last of Us, about uh, how this is going to turn out. Uh, the, the trailer doesn't push me one way or another. There's, there's nothing in there that made me nervous, but there was nothing in there that that clinched it for me. Uh, Fraser, did you read the Silo series? No. I'll, I'll, they're good? Yeah, they're fantastic. Uh, Hugh oh, Howie wow, did, okay. a, did a wonderful job with them. So worth worth reading the books for sure. Uh, although with the series coming, you know, some of you may want to see the series before you read the books. Yeah, this this is just perfect. This is textbook. Take a really good book and turn it into a TV show. (laughs) 
It's simple, Rinse, people. Repeat. What's it's up, simple. Hollywood? Why can't yeah. you all do it? Just take Follow a good thing and make another good land. thing. But is there a way the silo could make its way into the Star Trek universe? <laughs> yeah. Maybe through a wormhole somehow? Five years later, maybe. Uh, the First Shadow is a prequel to Stranger Things that will hit London's Phoenix Theater in the West End later this year. If you're not familiar, that means it's a stage play. Uh, the play follows Hopper and Joyce in 1959 and was written by Stranger Things show writer Kate Treffrey. I love everything about this. I love I Me love too. a thing that doesn't belong in one place being in another place. I love everything being shifted in time and place. Yes. Yes to all of it. Yeah, I would I would watch it if I lived in London. Let's all go to London together and see it. Come on. I mean, that's I mean, the downside, right? Like on the upside, yeah, you're making a play, you're breaking all the rules. This is crazy. Also, downside, nobody can watch it. So that's, well, they well, film well, it. They live in London, can they yeah, film it? Film it. Put it yeah. on. Yeah, and maybe like film it, but like with different camera scenes and like have special effects. That's what they did with the uh, Oh Hello, which was a Broadway show. You could tell that they recorded a live performance of it mm -hmm. and supplemented it with a few pickups after the fact with some you know unique angles that you can't get in a live stream. Do that with this. Also, the maybe, two of you are you dangerously close to describing a little thing I call a movie. That's, that's my point. Someone should tell like, Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if, you're gonna, if you're going to to broadcast, you're going to film and edit a stage play, then go all the way and make a movie. Yeah. Uh, well, Fraser, we, I, I know you have to get out of here, uh, but but we have a feature called Eyes On, where we talk about what we've been watching. Mm -hmm. uh, before you go, is there is there anything you've been watching lately you want to tell folks about? I mean, I'm watching all the standard stuff, so I'm watching The, the Last of Us, and I've started watching The Mandalorian. Meh. Um, uh, we're watching, my wife and I are watching Animal Kingdom, which I never watched, but a lot of people really liked it and it's entertaining, I think. Uh, but the one that I, I just keep ranting about this every time I come on the show, which is the detectorists, my, probably my favorite show, uh, they came up with their Christmas special this year. So they've got three movies, three seasons, and now they've got their new, uh, Christmas special and it was terrific. So would you uh, consider you the watched... detectorists family friendly? Oh yeah. Super family friendly. Cause we have an emailer who asked about sitcoms that aren't about like, you know, all about sex or, or all about cursing and, and you know, something you could just sit down and watch. Maybe the detectorist is a good, this is good in one the them. Ted Lasso. Oh man. This is the, this is Ted Lasso S wholesome AF. Oh yeah. Super wholesome. But it's about two buddies who hang out and, you search for stuff with their metal detectors and and get into very low stakes adventures <laughs> that sounds perfect uh it we'll, is a, we'll it is the perfect along. show and i and i rant about it every single time i'm on this show and one day you guys will watch it i i, I have no doubt that that is true uh fraser kane thank you so much for for hanging out with us man uh before you go let folks know all the great stuff you've, you've got going on and where they can find it uh universe today on all the things so i'm just i'm actually just about to go do my live show right now and uh we're doing a news program every week i'm doing multiple very long interviews with space scientists nobel prize winners astronauts on my channel do my weekly question show, plus all of the content that we do on the Universe Today website. And the best thing to do is just subscribe to my newsletter. It is a magazine of space news that comes into your mailbox every week 
I write every word. It's totally free. You should totally, there's no ads in it. You should totally sign up. Universetoday.com slash newsletter. Beautiful. Stop Thank missing you out again. on space news. Yeah, don't miss out, folks. Thanks again, out. Fraser. Good to see you, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Good to see you. And we'll see you 24. Yes. Oh, that's right. For the, the eclipse. I was just like, wait, were you going to avoid us until then? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm trusting you before then. But for sure, we'll see you in 24. For the yeah. Eclipse. Sounds good. All right, Brian Brushwood, what have you been watching? I had a bonkers day on Saturday. I went and saw the new Guy Ritchie movie that is uh, yet again, like um, <laughs> the pitch seems to be, what if it was James Bond, but he had a weakness? What's his weakness? He likes fine things and spends a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was silly and a blast, and I, I loved it despite everything. There's sort of like a... Um, uh, a lot of inside baseball uh, uh, kind of making fun of all of the principal characters in it. But then uh, in the gap before we watched the Chris Rock uh, special, uh, we just had a couple of hours and I found out, I only found out like two days ago that the church that is depicted in Jesus revolution is the one I grew up in. And the man depicted church. By uh, 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 oh, uh, 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 Frazier, what's his name? Not Frazier, Frazier King. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer? Kelsey Grammer uh, uh, literally blessed me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, oh, in your life? In, in my life. In my life oh, as wow. a child. Because it takes place in, it's it's about... Um, uh, uh, so uh, so what, hold, hold on, what is Jesus Revolution? You said Frazier. that as if we all knew, and I, I don't know that we all know. It is a movie that just came out that is about um, San Francisco ideas and uh, what they, uh, the so-called Jesus Revolution of, of people um, uh, kind of stepping away from traditional church going. It's really the birth of the megachurch, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. Uh, I talked to, I did original boots on the ground reporting, Tom. I called my mom 10 minutes before we went live. And I said, tell me about the church. <laughs> and she was describing about how there were overflow tents that, that, that we would go into and all that stuff. But, uh, uh, it was surreal, but the, the story itself is, is not heavy handed at all. It sort of portrays, um, uh, 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 this is loaded and terminology. this is not the Guy Ritchie movie. This is a different movie. No, right? this is Correct. the second movie I watched that day before the Chris Rock special. <laughs> it was a hell of a gotcha. media day. <laughs> but no uh, but uh, it, it's 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 uh, I don't know. I, I I liked it quite a bit, and I can't untease which parts I liked because it it enlightened me about uh, my parents or, or mm -hmm. it, because I was, you know, I was born in that area and we, and apparently we went to that church in my very early formative years. Um, that's uh, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's not heavy handed. Um, I, I, it's, it's sweet. It's, uh, there was a back and forth. Here's what I want to say. There was a back and forth where I was into it and then I would retreat emotionally and think, am I unironically just listening to Christian rock? And then I get back into it and then, and, and back and forth. It's, it's, there's something there. I, I, I liked it quite a bit. And, and almost certainly it's because it's the story of my first five years on planet earth. Oh, sure. Yeah. No, that, that, that'd be a huge part of it. If, if somebody did a whole movie about St. Lawrence church in Greenville, I would be captivated. Yes. And, and that's yeah. very much what I went through. It was very surreal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, and Cliff Singer says the, that the the main guy in Jesus Revolution, who plays, I guess, the preacher, uh, plays Jesus in the series The Chosen, um, which I talked about on It's a Thing. I don't know if we've talked about it here, but it's kind of an underground TV hit uh, that that is being marketed outside of mainstream channels and and is is huge. So you got yeah, you got a they, bona fide star in there too. Well, and and they uh, they definitely. Um, yeah, and we'll save it for after talk. Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash cord killers. What are we saving for after talk? Uh, uh, me talking about my thoughts. About, uh, he wants to talk more about, about the movie. Yeah. The Jesus, about Revolution. Jesus Revolution. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, well, the thing I've had my eyes on that I wanted to mention this week is Ginny's Kitchen. Uh, this is a show on Amazon Prime Video, uh, and it is a continuation of Yoon's Kitchen. Yoon's Kitchen starred Oscar award-winning actress Yoon uh, in a reality show where she ran a kitchen in vacation spots. Uh, and and basically, you know, the shtick is, can these actors actually work and run a successful kitchen and bring their native food uh, to the area? Uh, and, and, you know, the people dining start to realize like, wait a minute, are these folks celebrities where they're from? Uh, so this is a continuation of that just without Yoon uh, and with uh, uh, several other folks who are famous from Korean dramas, from K-pop, uh, running a, a snack shop in in Mexico. Uh, and so if you, if, if you like... Food reality shows, you're going to like this. You like K-dramas or K-pop, you're going to love this. Uh, and if you just like, you know, kind of that chill, uh, we, we used to talk about the Terrace House uh, vibe back in the day when Terrace House was on on the air, that sort of chill reality vibe where the drama doesn't come from arguing and shouting, but, but just from unusual situations. Uh, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime Video right now, just into its second episode called Ginny's Kitchen, J-I-N-N-Y. <laughs> what should we response. be on the okay, lookout Bryce, for? What should we be on the lookout for? Hey, we got an email from Sean who writes, Tom, Brian, and Bryce, I just binged through HBO's Somebody Somewhere. It's an it's amazing in its realism, and everything about this family dramedy is earned and believable. Our main character, Sam, comes back to her rural hometown after being away for 15 to 20 years, and maybe she begins to find where she belongs. If the dysfunctional family and her prejudice towards her hometown don't get in the way. Uh, each episode seemed to go by in a moment. Tom wouldn't need to check his watch to see how much time is left. I feel that the best stories aren't the ones about huge achievements, but rather where the character seeking out the mundane but seemingly impossible to achieve. And this is that sort of story. It's going to have its second season start in April. The biggest downside is it's only seven episodes. Sean the Dad. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, season a season one aired uh, just a little over a year ago. And uh, season two is going to be back on April 23rd on HBO. So you can watch that on HBO or HBO Max. Uh, and those will be a one a week sort of thing because it's on the real HBO. Uh, if you've got something we should really look out for, email us, please. Cordkillers at gmail.com. This looks Tom, fun. Tom, I have a terrible problem. I, I, I went to doghousesystems.com slash rogue, and I was able to get a free SSD. I was able to support our show, mm -hmm. and now I have a computer. Doesn't sound like and a problem. for the life of me, I don't know what this thing's for. Like, what on earth am oh. I going to use? Who needs a computer nowadays, Tom? Sure. No, no. Uh, here's, here's what it's going to be for. Uh, first uh, and foremost, it's going to be for watching me bring the fourth version of Tom's top five to the internet. That's right. Wait, is that is that <laughs> yes! is that happening? Yes. Yes. I I once did top five for CNET, and then I left CNET. I once did top five for Revision Three, and then Revision Three canceled top five. I once did top five for Tech Republic, and then they canceled it. But I will not stop 
counting things. <laughs> I learned how to count for a reason, Brian. And so judge Tom's things. Don't forget, uh, don't undersell yourself. You both count and judge them. That's right. I rank and count. And that will happen again soon at youtube.com slash daily tech news show. The return, the final, who knows, maybe I'll do a fifth and I'll be able to count down my five favorite Tom's top five series. But for now it's the fourth and it's coming soon. So be sure to get subscribed. So you don't miss an episode. YouTube.com slash daily tech news show is where the triumphant return of Tom's top five will happen. So like, would you have to cancel yourself in order to get a fifth iteration? It might be worth it. Right. I mean, like <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. that's your first episode is you cancel yourself on the first episode and then you come back with Tom's top five, uh, part two, part then, five. Then the first episode of the new one is counting down the yeah. previous, or I could fire myself, mm. hire a new person to host the top five. Tim's top five. <laughs> it's and gotta then, be top, and huh? then launch and then launch a competing top five. To that <laughs> Tom's better top five. <laughs> Daily top five news show. <laughs> so Tom's top five hosted by Tim. Okay. And then okay. Tom's better top five. I hate this yeah. Tim guy already. <laughs> the real top five. <laughs> also, my brother's named Tim. That's not who we're talking about. That's what I'm talking Let's about. Let's move on to the front lines. <laughs> front lines. Uh, good news. Sling TV has added the option to get ABC's local channels in Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. Not as good news. Sling TV's blue subscription, which will have those channels, just went up $5 a month. Sling subscribers in Fresno, Houston, and Raleigh are also getting both ABC and Fox local channels, but their price did not go up. Congrats, Fresno. That's a exactly. phrase nobody's ever said before. <laughs> Quite possible. <laughs> Meanwhile, AMC is going to launch its branded popcorn in Walmart locations on March 11th, Academy Awards weekend. The microwave version is expected to be uh, $4.98 for a six-pack. The ready-to-eat bags at $3.98 each. Congrats. The one thing that was special <laughs> about popcorn is no longer special. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be as good. No, it it's going to be. be awful. It's, it's going to be popcorn. It's going to be a commodity. It'll be expensive, be too. It won't even be good. It'll be expensive bagged popcorn that doesn't taste anything like what you get at the theater. It's like you're going to be ashamed when you're hosting a party and they're all like, did you pay for the Is premium it? same the popcorn AMC stuff? Did you do did you door dash an AMC? <laughs> Ready to eat bags at $3.98? That's so oh. <sighs> movies anywhere. Uh, most of you know what it is. If you don't, it's a service that lets you buy a movie at one digital store, but access it at other ones. So you could buy the movie on Google, for example, but watch it through Apple. Uh, during lockdown, they launched a feature called Screen Pass that would let you share up to three movies you own per month with someone else so that person could watch them. So I, I own Citizen Kane, let's say, uh, through Movies Anywhere, I could give Brian a movie pass and then he could watch Citizen Kane without having to buy it. Well, that's over. Screen Pass is shutting down on May 1st. Any Screen Pass you send before May 1st can still be used until June 1st. So after May 1st, you won't be able to send any passes uh, and then you have until June 1st to watch any movies with a pass before the whole thing just is gone altogether. 
and Netflix announced that All Quiet on the Western Front has passed 150 million hours viewed. The numbers tripled after, after it cleaned up at the BAFTA Awards. It's also up for several Academy Awards. Not a bad flick. It's a, it's a fine show. A fine yeah. show. If what you want to watch is it. the depths of a meat grinder of human history. If mm -hmm. what you yeah. want to do is if be sad wanna... about humans. If you want to be like, huh, war, why is it so bad? Watch this. Yeah. Uh, here's a few other notes. Disney released a trailer for Haunted Mansion, starring Lakeith Stanfield, Rosario Dawson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jared Leto, Winona Ryder, Owen Wilson, Danny DeVito, Dan Levy, Tiffany Haddish. Haunted Mansion premieres in theaters on July 28th. David Beckham is hosting a soccer documentary on Apple TV Plus called Real Madrid Until the End about that team's 2021-2022 season. There's another trailer out for season four of Succession. Don't forget that one's coming back March 26th. We'll be talking about it on Spoiler in Time. Live action Peter Pan and Wendy, a reimagining of the 1953 cartoon, will premiere on Disney Plus April 28th, featuring Jude Law as Captain Hook. Apple TV has ordered a second season of Prehistoric Planet. Universal and Illumination have decided to release Super Mario Brothers two days early. New release date is now Wednesday, April 5th. Pluto TV launched a bunch of new dedicated channels for Rocky movies in advance of Creed coming to theaters. Also added WOW, which is not about Warcraft, but Women of Wrestling and a Sailor Moon channel uh, that'll feature hundreds of episodes from multiple series within the Sailor Moon franchise. True Detective creator Nick Pizzolatto is developing a Western for Amazon. Amazon Prime Video released a teaser for the fifth and final season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which returns April 14th. And Fox ordered a third season of Dan Harmon's Crapopolis. And you're like, oh man, did I miss the first two? No. <laughs> season one has also been delayed. It will not debut until autumn, but there will be three seasons of it after it debuts. Holy moly. Dan Harmon, the stable one. Who saw that coming? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, let's get to the dispatches from the front. Ah, uh, Tom B's got a good question. He's like, I am a truck driver. I have a Vizio TV in my truck with many video apps, including Netflix. And I sometimes watch things on the Netflix app and no, the person's like, Oh, I hope you don't watch them while you're driving. He doesn't. Uh, this device has never been on my home network and may never be. Am I going to have to get a special code every month to watch Netflix? I'm certain I'm not the only truck driver who's going to have this issue, especially since there are plenty of truckers who don't have a physical home. Bryce, you had a comment on this, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Netflix has offered mobile-only plans for a long time. Uh, India, Malaysia's got them. Uh, parts of Africa have got it. Uh, and it's been a few years in, in, in those cases. So I expect that they are aware that they have a large portion of their user base that is mobile only. Um, my guess would be um, if you're only accessing it on mobile, you'll probably be fine. Uh, if you have maybe like a networking, like a like a router or a modem or somehow in your rig, that that might be enough to, to be considered a primary location, even if you're moving around and you're connected via a different way. Yeah. But, like, I, I bet you're not going to be left in the dark. There are a lot of people asking this question. 
Yeah, uh, no, I, I think Netflix is going to have a lot of a lot of questions they're going to have to answer. And and uh, Bryce is on the right track, which is it's not a home network you have to log into. It's a it's a home internet service. If you're carrying that internet service with you through a phone, then that will work. That I, I know enough about how they're doing this to know that like, oh, that phone will be able to say, yep, I'm the same phone. You can use me. Uh, and that'll that'll be that should be fine. I would think I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious if you're just logging in on Wi-Fi at hotels and you're not using a, an, a phone internet service to power the Vizio TV, that could present a problem. I'm not sure how they'll handle it. Well, and almost certainly these kind of things tend to be a heavy handed solution and then they get the backlash, then they fix everything into a more nuanced way. I, I have to imagine this isn't going to be a problem for very long. I mean, it, it, not sorry to our friends up north, but there's probably a reason they started in Canada before they brought it to the U.S. Sorry. It's a smaller Canada population. Yeah. It's not an insult to say that Canada has a smaller population. There's not enough it's, of you. Sorry. So we got an email from Tim who was uh, uh, distressed that uh, he wasn't sure if I was reading his emails or not. Um, okay. uh, uh, basi <laughs> basically, uh, anybody who writes at cordkillers at gmail.com know that there are two varieties. Uh, either if it's not going to be on the show, I'll respond to you. Or I put it in the dock, and it does. We intend for it to show up on the show, but sometimes things get cut last minute. So if you receive no response, that's what happened. But he was asking about uh, uh, family-friendly PG sitcoms. I suggested The Good Place, and it sounded like that that was something they had tried on before. I strongly encourage you to try it again. It's really, really great. Uh, what about you guys? Is, is there any PG? Well, this uh, is the one we referenced earlier with with Fraser. So the Detectorists, detectorists. Uh, would be a good oh, one yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, gosh, I mean, it's, yeah. there's, you got one, Bryce. Uh, uh, I mean, it's hard to go wrong with Ted Lasso, right? Obviously, oh my very, gosh, yeah, very much a feel yep. good comedy. Abbott Elementary uh, is another good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, classic sitcoms. You could even you could do in uh, The Office. You could do a Parks and the Rec. Uh, there, there's so many, and, and this a lot of pretty good evergreen sitcoms. Yeah, they're not as rooted in. Well, I don't know. They're maybe Anything they will age by Michael Sure, yeah, you're gonna do all right. Uh, Joe from Delaware says, Joe from is this the anyway? My wife and I have a two remote policy in our home, so either of us can pause, rewind, or pick what we are watching. There are a lot of third party remotes with buttons you might want on the bottom of your remote. If you can't or don't want to reprogram a remote button, these are worth the investment if you use the remote a lot or just want a second remote. So, there you go. Nice, 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 uh, nice idea, Joe. I uh, like it. We, we have a couple of TCL uh, televisions in the house, and at some point, you know, the upstairs remote ends up downstairs, vice versa, or whatever. I just bought five of them on Amazon. Best decision I've ever made. They're just everywhere. Anybody can pick and then up you a can remote. Program those buttons to be whatever you want. Nobody can stop you. Uh, he also says, P.S. I'm your boss, Applesauce. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> uh, that is it for us. Once again, thank you, Fraser Kane, uh, for being with us on Cord Killers. Go check out Universe today. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. And we are live on twitch.tv slash night attack. Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, Tom Merritt, what's going yes. on? 
I'm just hanging out here watching this scroll go by. Uh, what are you doing? Trying to set up a bit where we thank our beautiful, beautiful patrons, all these wonderful names. I'm sorry, names. I'm too distracted looking at these beautiful, beautiful patron names going by. Look at that one. I mean, if you wanted to be one of these people, patreon.com slash cordkillers would be the place to go. I mean, they're, yeah. scra- they're, they're scratching our itch, like, because we're I think addicted. as long as it's consensual, like, we're, we're addicted to their money. And love. Might as well face it. Well, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>